This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So, what's the news on our way to Baranovich? We're now on our way to Baranovich. The um, Baranovich Yeshiva really was unique from all the other yeshivas in mostly the age, the age it catered to. Um, Baranovich catered to a high school type age, which was not the norm. Most yeshivas, the youngest bachrim was 17, 18, and Baranovich, the bachrim, started sort of our mitzvah, um, comparable to a masifta of today and so on. There was one thing that was unique about Baranovich. The uh, second thing about it was Bimela, because it was <clears throat> um, it related to such a young age of Bahrim, it also became the um, the yeshiva that made the tfus of a Batara. In other words, a lot of the things that we, a, a, a lot of the Seder Hayom, a lot of the structure, um, the morays and so on of yeshivas really had their start in Baranovich. Baranovich um, was founded by Navardic, actually. Navardic was, and we'll speak about it, I forget today, Bez Hashem, very much into founding yeshivas different places. And one of the places they founded a yeshiva was in um, Baranovich. The one who founded it later became the Mashgiach. His name was Rizol Yaakov Lubchansky. He was an extraordinary person. He was a son-in-law, his father was a son-in-law. He was, sorry, he was a son-in-law of the Alta of Navardic. His father was Robert of Town Baranovich. He did not want to become Robert of Town, and he was sent to make a yeshiva there. Um, the yeshiva itself was, was called Oil Teira. It did not, I mean, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't special until 1920 when they took in Rebel Hanan Vasemin. Rebel Hanan Vasemin was a Talmud a few places, but tells and others, but the people that Rebel Hanan Vasemin considered as Rebbeim was Reb Chaim Briska in terms of learning, and the Chavetz Chaim in terms of Hanhaga and so on. He was possibly the one closest to Chavetz Chaim, he learned by him in Karl Kachim, and he would go back there every album. Under Rebel Hanan's leadership, the yeshiva became um, really the, a model for yeshivas um, to emulate. Rebel Hanan himself was extremely weighty. Um, every every word of his was measured. Every action was measured. Time was extremely important. His asmada, his precision, everything about the person was weighed and measured and thought out. That was the whole mahus of the person. The yeshiva itself had structure to it. It had six grades, four younger ones, three younger ones. Then it had uh, a, a shear, a fifth, sixth, and then it had what's called a kibbutz, 
Bachum learning without a shir. Um, the younger grades learned a different masechta. They were especially geared for younger boys. Again, this was quite unusual in its level of being so structured. The um, highest shiurim Rebbe Khan himself said. Rebbe Khan was mocked, nobody could move shiurim. People tried to push their way into highest shiur, whatever it is. He was very mocked to keep the structure. That was by him, Kodesh Kadashim. He then had the highest shiur, and then he said shiurim for the kibbutz once or twice a week. He instituted things now the yeshivas weren't there. He had a mishaburah in the morning for half hour, he said for the older boys, but Lemaisa that became very much part of yeshiva structure. Um, he, when he said shir, he said it on the blot, he stuck to the blot, He's, every word was measured, and a lot of times a boy would ask him something on the shir, he would think a minute or two, and then he would repeat the words exactly as he said them. In other words, when he felt that the boy had understood quite what he said, he would repeat what he said. He was extremely, it was every single word of his was thought out before. Um, the yeshiva itself lasted 20 years. In those 20 years, he produced the raw material for all the other yeshivas. Um, the usual mahalach was you learned by him for five, six years. You then went on to yeshiva like Kamnitz or Kletzk or Grodna. And then you would work your way to the Me Yeshiva, which was sort of, I guess, similar to Lakewood like today. But that was the, the so he was the one who laid the foundation. It was in learning and it was in Hanhaga. What we call how should a material act and, and how does he dress and how does he deport himself and how does he dive and how does he bench? All of those habits were really founded by and sort of enforced by Rabbi Hanan and his mashkiach, Rabbi Soyakov, who was an extraordinary person. He was a, a person who understood the Bachrim. He knew, he, he knew how to deal with the Bachrim and he was the one who actually um, worked together with Rabbi Hanan in shaping the Bachrim. The yeshiva lasted exactly 20 years under Rabbi Hanan. Rabbi Hanan himself um, had to go fundraise and he ended up going for to fundraise for a building to America in 1938 and came back in 39. He was gone for a full year. Somebody who was in the Shia wanted to give me a, a, a dogma of how Rabbi Hanan was, was totally calm, collected, structured. He said, Rebel Hanan had to go to America, which meant you took a horse and a buggy to the train station, a train to some city where there was a boat, a boat to America. It was a whole, I mean, it was like going to Mars basically today. And Rebel Hanan came in the morning, nine o'clock to say his share. You couldn't tell on him anything. At 10 o'clock, he finished his share. He said, I will not be saying share till next year, Mr. Shem. I'm going to America now. He picked himself up, same calm, and went off. He's an extremely, he never lost his cool. Someone told me he would walk in the rain and he would walk without flinching. 
if you know so he got wet he got wet that was his his his, his mohus um his paid on time was incredible he um he told uh Chavrusavism, adam Khashiv came to learn once he was three minutes late rabbi Khana didn't say anything but at the end of the seder rabbi Khana asked what what time are you and he told him one o'clock so Bahana said, so your clock is on time. How come you came late? He said, you know, I had, had to go to the bathroom. So Rebbe Hanan said to him, you know, I walk by the guards by the palace and they never seem to have an excuse for being late. It's like clockwork. I guess a person can train himself to be like a clock. That was Rebbe Hanan's tainted uh, to him. Rebbe Hanan um, went to America to raise money for building of a yeshiva. He was there for a year, came back. I don't know if they, I remember, they may have started building yeshiva, maybe not, maybe they bought a plot of land, but the war broke out and he never built that building. But in the year that he was in America, he became the Rebbe for the young generation of Jewish activists, the Moshe Sheras, the Mike Tresses. He was associated with Syria Gudis Yisrael, and he was, and he was their Adam Gadol. He was the figure who was Mashpi on them. So the year spent raising money, the money that he raised went no place, but the people that he made became the cadre of Balabatim to reestablish, to, to establish Torah. His Talmidim in Europe went on to other yeshivas and came to America and became Rosh Yeshivas. And he produced the first group of people who would send the kids to yeshivas, who would help the yeshivas, who would develop the infrastructure of the yeshivas. So it's remarkable how the Ashkacha sent him to America for something that he thought he was going for one thing, he ended up going for another thing. He was on the way back already, the war was breaking out. And this Talmudim in America told him not to go, they'll get his family. And he insisted on going back. He said the captain of a ship goes back to his ship. He doesn't leave his ship. He came back. The war broke out. The yeshiva fled to Lita. At that time, Baranovich was in Poland. Um, he was um, under scrutiny. He fled again. The communists came in. And he had to flee. He ended up in Kovna, and in um, in Kovna, he had the ability. He was about to escape. He had a flight to Sweden, I think it was, to Denmark. I don't remember. With his son, there was an accident. His son broke a foot, and so on. He had to stay. And at that time, the Germans marched in. His um, and he was murdered. We'll speak about it in Kovna. He was murdered by the uh, fascists, by the uh, Lithuanian fascists. But Akopanim, in terms of what he left over for the Dairis, are a whole, an incredible amount. First of all, his Bachrim went on to Kamenitz and, uh, and, and Kletsk, Grodna, and other yeshivas, and then to the Mir. They became the Rosh Hashivas, almost every Rosh Hashiva in America, and, and that's Israel, the Rosh Hashivas had learned in by Rabbi Khan for some Tkufa, two, three years, or, or the entire five, six years. Two, 
he laid the foundation in America for the next star of Tariq Abalabatim. His shiurim and kaivit shiurim, they're sort of the shovel hol nefesh of yeshiva shereit. In other words, not everybody is into Shmuel, not everybody is into Shar Yosher. The Kavit Shurim are Shurim that fit everyone in terms of Lambdas. It's the most basic Lambdas that you start a Sugi with. In terms of Hashkafa, he laid out both speech and speaking, he would write articles, and he wrote pamphlets. And the Kavit's Mamarm of his includes his major writings on terms of basic Hashkafa in terms of what Kalaisol is, in terms of the new um, movements, and so on. He had a reputation of being a bit of a Kadnoi. Um, he, he spoke very clearly, um, and again, without losing himself, he laid out um, the fundamentals of the of the Ashkaf, of what the Torah was Ashkaf would be. Um, he was the Chavetz Chaim's Ahuf, and other yeshivas, Reb, Reb, Reb Lazy Yudel of the Mir, recognized the importance of, of Baranovich sending the Bachrim. And when things were extraordinarily tight and he couldn't make it, um, the Reb Lazy would send simply because he was Makia what it means. Um, that's Baranovich. We'll speak more about about his last days in Kovna Mirza when we'll be there. Um, it's a whole part in its own right. But sometimes the story of his heroism in the last days overshadows the heroism of his in the lifetime. So, Mr. Shem, uh, we'll, we'll speak more later. Mr. Shem. His sons, he had two sons actually went to America. Once went to America first, I think the other one also ended up being here. And that's how it survived. His sons here did not survive. Whoever he had here, Rabbi Fatoli, did not survive. That was his. Uh,